Hello everyone, this is Dr. Song, and this is part two of our podcast episode on writing. Uh, in the first episode, we talked about why students have such trouble writing. And I think if we could conclude uh, from that episode is that they're not thinking, they're not reading, uh, they're not willing to go through the process, they're not willing to put in the time, and they think that printing everything out on the laser printer the first time they do it is an excellent product just because it looks like a good paper. Um, so today I want, I want to uh, talk about maybe the impact of COVID. Um, we've done fairly well, I would say very well compared to a lot of other schools because we had the LMS and online learning management system um, during COVID. When other schools and school districts were looking for a solution, we already had the solution and our students were using, and even now we use a lot of digital content and, and uh, we use the LMS learning management system to communicate with our students much, much better. But what do you think in general has been the impact of COVID on writing? Spelling and grammar. I think a lot of our now high schoolers were in middle school around right. COVID. Um, and during that middle school, those middle school years, that's a formative time, right? So you're having to really focus on grammar. You're focusing on spelling. You're focusing on vocabulary. You're focusing on how to write. And now, at least I'm seeing in English, um, that these students are two to three years behind where they don't have the grammar skills. They don't know what a fragment is. I'm having to teach what a fragment is in my freshman, sophomore classes. Um, they don't know what a verb phrase is. The word a positive might as well be a vocab word. Um, and that's something that I think COVID really had a big impact on is that ability to really focus on those foundational skills because they're just simply not there. Would you also say that something like math, it's a hard skill and whether you do it through a screen or not, whether you solve the problems online or not, you could get to the answer to know that if that student knows how to solve a problem. Whereas soft skills like writing and thinking um, uh, understanding grammar or maybe uh, having a different style of writing. Those were, and I, I would say it still is, is, is whether, if you're using only online to teach, it's going to be a nightmare to teach yeah. skills like that. Yeah, and I think also, um, I mean, across the board in the United States, we saw um, just this huge drop right. um, and gap. And I think that biggest gap is reading. Um, mm -hmm. If you are not reading, you are also not going to be able to write well. And um, when you just kind of take a hiatus from reading for multiple years during the biggest brain developmental years of your entire right. life, I mean, that has significant consequences. Yeah. It's not like as if an adult just, you know, it's not the same experience as an adult. And I think that's what a lot of parents also need to understand as well that, um, you know, COVID impacts children way differently than adults. Adults, their brains are already formed and developed. You can kick back mm -hmm. into that social skills and communication skills. But children are learning all these right. things, oftentimes for the very first time. And so when you remove years of um, just such important developmental years, there's just a huge gap. And it's not like they weren't doing anything. They were doing something, say, social media, glued to the screen, watching Netflix or YouTube videos or whatever. They were doing something, mm -hmm. right? Nobody just says, well, it's COVID. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to sit there and think. Perhaps we wish they were sitting there thinking, yeah. but they were soaking in gunk, yeah. uh, 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 
and our brains respond and, and are formed in such a way that it's looking for, say, um, something that is stimulating, mm -hmm. like games. Or obviously, that's mm -hmm. why you know games are so popular among teenagers. Um, controversial contents, uh, sexually explicit material, music. They're soaking things in it. You know, it's not like they weren't doing anything, yeah. but they were doing the wrong things. Yeah, and I think that's the addictive piece to it. So like, um, I mean, even right now, I talk about it all the time, and I'm sure your experience with film is we're seeing this lack of interest for um, storytelling, mm -hmm. especially in film. We just see like blockbuster movies, these heightened movies that are just action all the time, indie films, all these other things that have great writing in them. But they don't get the attention because they don't do as well because our brains are addicted yeah. to this heightened yeah. stimulus all the time. Yeah. And I talk with my students about this, um, especially students that struggle with procrastination or struggle with different areas. Your brain is addicted to receiving reward without doing work. Yeah. And so you're just in this addictive chemical cycle and you're fighting against your own brain and, and chemistry because you're just addicted to this heightened stimulus. Um, and then it also produces this interesting thing of like intense apathy as well. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I talk to my kids all the time. If you sit and watch movies all day, you're going to get to a point where you just like don't feel good. You almost feel sick. Right, and then you get really apathetic, and but they think that's resting, right? Watching yeah. movie all day in bed or on their you know, look, yeah. looking at their cell phone like this that's the whole day, life. right? They think it's it's resting. It's not. No. Yeah. It's not. So, and also when it comes to reading and writing, I think kids are reading screens. They're not reading books anymore. They're not reading magazines. They're reading screens, and screen reading is so shallow. There's no in-depth reading, right? I, I mean, how many deep, deep, say, articles or essays can you find uh, online? Because our students are reading probably maybe two minutes at the most. Tops. Tops, yeah. right? And when, when they reach a certain screen or a certain page or a certain blog or what have you, they're reading maybe two minutes. And they're skimming for information. Yeah. They're not thinking critically. And only on and, the first page of Google. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's something that you mentioned film and like my experience with it. Something that I think is a big misconception is people that are interested in film are like, and the, we have some students that are like this, which is why I bring it up, is like, oh, let's, let me go ahead and just watch movies and that's how I'll learn. Well, no, I mean, I worked in film. I learned very little from actually watching movies besides techniques. How I learned to do storytelling was via reading. Yeah. yeah. I was obsessed with reading growing up. And that's how I learned the true art of storytelling and how to critically think and how to write mm -hmm. um, and how I expanded my vocabulary. It was not just with school, but it was with books. Yeah. It was with novels. Which forced us to take time to read and, and gradually get to where we need to get to, yeah. right? But these days, I think our students rush to the conclusion that they're looking for. So what's the bottom line, especially reading uh, screens and, and articles there they want to get to the bottom line what's the yeah. point and they just move on yeah. it's not like they go okay so now that the author or the writer has given me and I got I've gotten what that person's perspective or point is is it true is it right is it ethical what does the Bible say how do I feel about it they don't go through that reflective process just flip let's and and Go down to scroll and go to the next article. Well, or there's next so screen. many distractions on with screen reading. So, um, you know, you let's remove the we'll remove the physical element of actually turning a page, which is so important. But 
when you have your screens up, you have applications, you have, it's not like students just Advertisements, have. Advertisements. Notifications banners, popping yeah, up. Notifications. Chat screens, you know. Text coming kids, in. Kids texting. Yeah. And we talk about this and joke all the time when students are like, oh, Ms. B, that five pages of reading took me three and a half hours. And I'm like, three and a Sorry. half hours? No, it's funny. <laughs> I'm genuinely shocked. And then I'm like, three and a half hours of sitting there contemplating or three and a half hours of like doing this? And then they all start laughing because they know that they did not sit down for three and a half hours to read. They maybe read for 10 minutes of that time and the rest, they're just addicted to their phones yeah. and their screens yeah. and well, that's why we also moved to the hard copy model we require yeah. hard copy textbooks we yeah. require hard copy materials because mm -hmm. it eliminates this distraction in a world full of distraction yeah. we need to give them opportunities to thrive and yeah. it's so hard to ask children to not be distracted yeah. if yeah. as adults we're distracted how can we ask that of our kids and that's the sad truth of our generation, this digital generation, is that this, this is a tool. But if we don't use it properly, it actually undermines all the foundational stuff that we need to have. And our students, clearly, as young and, and, and um, daring and adventurous and, and childish as they are, selfish as they are, they don't really know what's good for them. So they're looking for gratification, something that's more fun to do, something that's away from, time-consuming. So they're, they're going to be looking at their screen. And, and parents, please understand, I, I use technology. And at our school, we use technology more than other schools. But we're trying to use that uh, not only to use technology to, to enhance learning, but also teach them how to manage yeah. this thing. Because pretty soon, they're going to be on their own when they go, go on to college. And no one's going to be able to tell them to stop. Yeah. Well, and realistically, um, for at least my class, you really don't need any technology to do your homework unless we're doing something with research, which honestly, I'd rather them go to a library than anything else, but they don't even know where the closest library to their house is, right. more or less, how to get there. Um, but it's better for them to be able to use something pen and paper instead of that because just removing that from my classroom at least has taken away some of the distraction. Yeah. Um, so I do notice students focusing better in class. I don't catch anyone playing games anymore because there's no iPads out. Um, but at the same time, there's still a level of what happens when we get home. When there's students typing on their, typing their essays before writing it out, I wonder why it takes so long. You're yeah. typing your essay, trying to use Grammarly, trying to do all different other, like, other sorts of things yeah. before even sitting down to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So, so pre-writing what I would consider pre-writing, reading, thinking, reflecting, brainstorming, outlining. And then they need to write, but they, they forego all of that and they want to just yeah. start writing and just print, print, it out the first, yeah. print out the first draft, whereas yeah. we're saying you need to peer review, edit, 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 two, three, four versions. And, and my experience shows, uh, tells me that I need to space my edits out, my, my revisions out, uh, um, different drafts, so that I'm not sucked into this piece that I'm writing and everything makes perfect sense to me, yeah. but it does make a whole lot of sense to other people who are reading for the first time. Um, so at, at NCA, we're trying to uh, build this difficult skill that they need to have. And it's going to be a time-consuming process, and it's going to take a lot of effort on our 
teachers as well as students because they need to learn to manage themselves and learn to understand that this is just a tool. This is not a panacea. It's not going to solve all your problems. Yeah. And you have to learn to say, shut off your text messaging programs or maybe just focus on using this to, to complete a project when you have to, but it's, this is not going to solve everything. And just because they have their laptops open, mom and dad, doesn't mean that they're studying. You know it. Our kids are fantastic when it comes to knowing which keys to press to turn oh, the screens on and off. Press escape three times and yeah. then whatever you're on closes. Something yeah. I definitely want to add to in this conversation I think is so important is um, when we remove the harmful uses of technology, I want to remind parents too that we're also restoring this joy of learning in a sense. So in my room, when they ask me a question, Miss B, I don't know what this word is. I have dictionaries at every single section of the room and now they're getting used to looking words up in a dictionary and they've never done that before most of mm -hmm. them for the first time but it's so sweet to look over in my room and see kids huddled around a dictionary and they're giddy and they're excited <laughs> yeah. to find the word but then there's all these different definitions so they have to figure out which definition yeah. really is yeah. the right one yeah. and so that is such a joyous process that um you know I'm watching them genuinely enjoy, and they would have had that experience essentially robbed from them yeah. if we just allow this over-reliance yeah. on yeah. technology in a way that's harmful for them. Yeah. We have to remind ourselves that we cannot be over-reliant on the tools. Yeah. And this is just a tool. This is not the solution. Yeah. It's just a tool. And just because we could access all the information out there using uh, computers and internet connection doesn't mean that it's all good for us. Mm -hmm. And we have to really teach them how to decipher and, and, and screen and filter. Um, and when it comes to writing, uh, this is a tool that you use to organize your thoughts and maybe to finish, create a finished product because we do want to have a nice product that is printed and it's easy to read and such. But it's not something that's going to do the work for you. And it's not going to solve everything for you. And, and when you try to do that, I think our kids, um, our students, uh, invariably go to plagiarism, yeah. right? Because there's so much stuff out there. So if you're doing a book report about, say, 1984, mm -hmm. I mean, how many countless pages, right, are, are devoted to analyzing 1984, talking about 1984. And if you read some of that, and you could just, you know, grab that and bring it onto your paper, make it look like your own. But, you know, the thing, the wonderful thing about our school is that because we're a small school, our teachers know individual student writing styles as well as their writing ability. So when you cut and paste. They don't think we do, but we do. <laughs> and when they cut and paste and make it sound like their own writing, and we do have plagiarism detection software that we use. AI used detection software that we use. Both AI and plagiarism. And it is sad because so many. so many of our students fall to that trap. And we forgive and we teach through that process, but when you go to college or in the, in the real world, when you plagiarize, you're done. It's it's, it's not it's one and done. Yeah, it's unforgiving. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like I had some I had a friend of mine when I was in school that copy pasted Lorem Ipsum, which is just generalized text <laughs> for a project, and he got called into the um, honor council office. Yeah. And was almost expelled his last week of his senior year, because he left just that on there, even though it was 
technically just standardized text, it was still plagiarism because it wasn't his. And colleges don't play with that. And I think that's something that the students are either refusing to believe or don't, aren't, aren't acknowledging. Um, and that's something that's, if they do all this hard work and if they, when they get to university, they're going to get kicked out for something They're going like to get that. kicked out. There's, well, there's, there's, they're may, done. Some may think, oh, well, um, when I get to college, I won't do it anymore. Yeah. But when it's a habit, exactly. especially when it's such an easy way out, it becomes an addiction because you're like, oh, well, instead of spending two hours having to brainstorm, having to outline, having to actually write this I, essay, I think it's not two hours. I think it's 20 hours, if you ask According me. to them. <laughs> according to them. to them. 20. The entire month. Yeah. Even according, if you give them two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. We're laughing, but we as adults have a much broader, bigger picture bird's eye view of what's happening. And, and we know that it's our job to train them. Um, but uh, it's laughable in terms of uh, how much little, how many times they want to kind of trick us and, and, and want us to, want us to or they try to trick us and they want us to believe that it's their finished product, whereas we know clearly it's not. And that really gets to the next level of issues in terms of integrity, honesty, transparency, hard work, all the, what I would consider Christian and the ethical values that we're trying to teach our students. So that becomes a, a whole new set of problems when we start to deal with plagiarism issues. Well, and yeah. then when you go into college apps and you want a letter of recommendation, I just finished eight letters of recommendation. Yeah. And you have to give rankings for all these categories. So you, integrity is a category. Yeah. And they, they want to, yeah. believe me, the college apps, what your children and what our students see is it's just on the surface. What they want to see through rec letters and our ratings of the students is really about their character, isn't yeah. it? Well, and now without SAT, ACT requirements anymore, rec letters have gone up in value so, so much. Right. From the when significance even we were of it is school. so much greater. Yeah. yeah. And, and so when you don't have that good standing because of moral infallibilities, yeah. then yeah. you have this bigger issue. Exactly. And yeah. that's so hard because we want to be our students' advocates. Yeah. That's our goal. Like, and I always tell my students, like, we advocate for advocate right. for you all the time. Mm -hmm. But they don't understand, like, if you put us in a position where we can't honestly say that you have great integrity because you've plagiarized for almost every essay in our class, mm. that over the course of many years, that's hard to vouch for them. Really yeah. hard. Yeah. And we will never lie. Yeah. We know yeah. that's we will never do that. So we either would refuse a, a recommendation right. or we would just be just honest and um, we don't want to be in that position. We yeah. all we want to do is give you glowing recommendations right. and um, support you. And it doesn't mean like you make a mistake once and and that's yeah. you're done. It's it's do you grow from that? But what right. we're seeing with AI plagiarism is it's never one time. It's a repeated thing over and over again. I don't mm -hmm. think we have any students who have just plagiarized once and that's it. Yeah. It's typically... Yeah. Even though we try to teach them that it's wrong and, and they shouldn't do it, it seems to happen. The it's a recurring problem. Ten, or two, to, two to six times, yeah. typically. Uh, I was that. saddened when you said 10, but I'm glad it's two to six, not yeah. 10. Was, well, I have one that did But I, I bet you there are some who will do it, <laughs> right? So there are a lot of stuff that we as teachers can do, and we do it at our school. Um, but what are some things that parents can do? So let, let me pose some things that I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent. I had two of our, uh, of our I only have two, but uh, they were uh, students here. 
and, and there are some things that we've done. I think my wife and I have done some things right um, uh, in terms of academics because they're high-performing students. A lot of parents think that, oh, it's your children. You must help them at home all the time. We did not. We put the learning on their own lap. If they had questions and they came, then we helped them. But most of the time, it's about structure, finding the time and the place and the environment where TVs are shut off and all that. I'm foreshadowing. This is a literary term. I'm foreshadowing all this stuff. But let's talk about things like reduced screen time, cell phones. Put it away. Put it away. We see a difference with students who rely on do the screen time versus don't. And mm -hmm. it is astronomical. Um, I mean, we see a difference between students who have an agenda book that's yeah. handwritten like versus planners, students who, yeah. mm -hmm. who don't. If I surveyed my class and I said, raise your hand if you have a planner, raise your hand if you have limited screen time, the students who all raise their hand, everyone in that room would know they are the top performing students. Yeah. They're not top performing because they're just gifted with everything. Yeah. They not because they just remember yeah. their homework magically. It, it, it's, it's also that they're able to work more effectively and efficiently because they're not distracted. Yeah. So, so as far as the, uh, the, the reducing the screen time is concerned, I would say at home, just put the phone away. Well, and sleep time too. Like uh, the first thing I ask uh, my parents in a parent-teacher conference is what are their sleep habits? Mm -hmm. That is one of the first questions I always ask. And oftentimes it's students who are up on their phones till 4 a.m. and they claim that they're doing homework. Mm. But we all know the homework we're giving our students. I will never give my students four hours of homework. No. Right. If it takes four hours, that means there's a serious... Right, because I think, I think in, in my opinion, please correct me if I'm wrong, our middle school students are getting about maybe an hour and a half maximum homework. So four core subjects, maybe five, but four core subjects, they're usually about 15 to 20 minutes a piece. Mm -hmm. So when you put it to the, together successively, I think you could handle it within an hour and a half. Take a snack break, you know, go to the restroom, drink some water, you know, do some sit-ups and push-ups in between. Yeah. Could do it in two hours. Yeah. I think that's manageable. I think high school, in my opinion, as far as I know, it really shouldn't be more than three hours. I could would it be? It. Would it even be three hours a night? Well, in their eyes, yes. But at, now, as it should be, <laughs> a five-paragraph essay, in my opinion, should take like 30, 45 minutes without... And, with, and, with and, and this is because it's a multiple-step process, yeah. not just you're doing it all in yeah. one night. Like, yeah, it's like... But if you do procrastinate and you try to crank out a five-paragraph essay in one yeah. night... A 250-word paragraph shouldn't take four hours, but that's what I'm having my freshmen tell me. Exactly. And I'm like, why is a... Are 200, you're 250 words. Yeah. I speak 250 words in two minutes. Why, why, why are we having such an issue yeah. writing that much in such a massive amount of time, yeah. at least that you're claiming? So when screen time is taking up a bulk of their time, or even if it's just periodically, it just takes their attention and focus away. So they're not working effectively. They're not working efficiently. So I, I would strongly suggest talking to your children, parents, about reducing the screen time. If that requires you to take the phone away, now I know they have chatting programs on the computer too, and that has to be managed as well, but at least just take the phone away, I think, or shutting it off until you finish your work. That kind of conversation is necessary. Now, what do you think about creating an atmosphere to read? Uh, on this topic, um, my children, and, and when they were growing up, when they were young, uh, they got 
hooked by C.S. Lewis, and you know, I gave him audio when we were traveling. We had these audio books; they were literal uh, uh, dramatization of of the uh, Narnia stories. And so, I it was a hundred dollars long ago, like ten CDs. You know, we would when we we're going to Sequoia, we would listen to that and travel together, and they'll be just glued to it. You know, they're 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 like, come on, Dad, put the next CD in. Yes, we had CDs, right? So. Uh, or something like that to, to no TV until everybody finishes the homework and gets about 30 minutes and about an hour reading in. That kind of structure as soon as, when, they're, when they're young is necessary. But even now, I think I could just kind of visualize typical middle school and high school parents' home, which is kids come home, whether they eat or wash up, and then kids go to their room, turn their computer and cell phone on, and they may be sitting at their desk acting or trying to study, but their parents next door in the living room on the screen watching TV. Yeah, well, and that's what I, the first thing I ask my students when I sit down for a parent-teacher conference is, what is your, what is your child's um, routine when they get home? What do they do? And a lot of times it's, well, I get home, I take a break, I go on my phone, and then I start my homework eventually. And I'm like, that's not a practical use of your time. Now, yeah. to, like, when you get home, take 15, 20 minutes to, like, yeah. decompress. But any more than that, and this goes for myself, like, any more than that, I'm not going to do what I need to get done because I'm ready yeah. to just not. Yeah, um, do it now is a phrase I always tell my kids. Yeah, don't do, do it, it later, now. do it now. Yeah. And so I've started implementing with them. I'm like, here's a homework schedule. Take 20 minutes on a subject, yeah. then take a five-minute break. Sure. Do another 20 minutes, switch it so your brain rewires yeah. itself. And, and, and the research shows that that kind of interval yeah. is necessary. Yeah. Because, they, like, realistically, if you sit down and try to do all your homework in one sitting, it's going to take you longer because the human brain cannot focus that long. Yeah. You have to take those little, little breaks. But I think where the students struggle, and this is something where parents can really help out, is redirecting and making sure that five-minute break doesn't turn into a 50-minute break. Right. Um, and I think that's what happens a lot of times is they start with this schedule where they do 20 minutes um, and then they take this five minute break and then they just never yeah, go back. Th they may go doing, let me do this for five minutes, but that may turn into 15, yeah. 20, 30 yeah. minutes and, and they may yeah. have just been completely distracted. Yeah, and so I think if there was some teamwork with parents and their students with yeah. here's my homework schedule that my teacher recommends or here's my homework schedule that I've come up with even better, yeah. um, this will, this that conjunction between parents and student with that communication will ultimately help not only their writing and their literacy skills, but will also help their grades just as well, a whole. High school students, like, yeah, they're older. They're still children. Yeah. They still need accountability. Mm -hmm. And if, um, like if, uh, if parents don't know what their students are working on in school, um, if they don't like know what they're doing when they go in their room, they just close the door. Um, if kids, screens are on 4 a.m. like these are these are issues like we need to make sure our kids are sleeping consistently yeah and that should not be negotiated and, and mm -hmm. on that note the, even in high school the sleeping hours the longer it is better the longer the better I, I think the national average they said for high school kids for proper growth physical growth and, and mental state of mind is eight to nine hours yeah Eight for, to nine hours for, a day. For, for girls specifically, they need more than nine plus hours um, hormonally. And what we don't, what a lot of people don't understand is like, oh, well, I'm just, I need to do my homework. Well, if we don't allow sleep to be negotiated, then that means you don't have time to procrastinate. You don't have time to be on your right. phone. 
that is a non-negotiable time so, so and this, then you read more efficiently. Yeah. I'm, I didn't mean to yeah. stop you, but this goes into something that Pastor Ted and I talked about in our earlier episode about time management and mm -hmm. time management as well as prioritization. Yeah. I have no trouble with students who want to play games, games for an hour or two each day. And when you have extra time and if you want to read or play games, I think for high school students, that, that's possible. Yeah. Uh, that goes again. into the reward system. Right. That if you're playing games before you finish something, you've rewarded yourself already yeah. without doing it. Don't have the instant and, and when the priority gets all mixed up, you can't even stop because it's so addictive. Right? So if they could get the work done, do it efe efficiently and effectively. And if you want to be rewarded with games or social media or, or I don't know, exercise or, or yeah. you know, sports, perfectly fine. But it's, you have to have the right priorities and someone has to be the clock keeper. Yeah, and I'm like, well, and it can't be reliant on the student. <clears throat> as much as yeah. we would love to say, yes, my student can definitely like navigate their own time and they can have that five minute timer and be done, there's always going to be that five more minutes. Yeah. There's and, always going to be, let me finish this before parents, going back. I want parents <laughs> to understand too, like if you're going to bed at four o'clock every single day and then you get up to go to work and let's say you have a job like being a lawyer and you need to read. Yeah. Our students say the same thing. I'm reading the same sentence over and over again, but I don't know what I'm reading. It's not mm -hmm. because they don't know how to read. It's because they're fatigued. And, you know, imagine if as adults we went into our workplace with only a couple hours right. of sleep. Are we going to do our job well? <clears throat> yeah. And being a student is our is the kid's job. Yeah. And so if we're, they're not doing their job well, a lot of times they are really sleep deprived and they will use homework as the reason. Yeah, I that's the excuse yeah. I hear is I didn't get enough sleep because I spent seven hours, eight hours on homework. I'm like, how? My homework was one chapter of reading. Yeah. My homework was 250 words of, an, of a paragraph. How did, like, how did you spend this much time on something so small? I'm, I'm going to say something. I know, I know that I'm going to talk about the past. And this, this might not work with you ladies. Um, when NCA was first founded in 1999, for the first five years, we had our students stay after school until 5 o'clock. Classes will be done at 3 o'clock. Everybody would get to the open classroom and study. And the vast majority of them would fit. This is without computers. They would finish their homework before they went home. So I know for a fact that two hours of conducive environment without the distraction, they're able to get the work done. Should we go back to something like that? I don't know. Well, I don't know, you know. That the school has, right, yeah. is we have after school. I know that's a CAS program with some of our upperclassmen. Is that students, if, if they notify the administration and everyone else, can stay until 4.30 and do work. And maybe that's the key to, for them, for that specific student. This could be something that, that we could talk about in the yeah. future. Is, is there a need for a structural, structural yeah. change to, to, to make it, make the work manageable because since they're not managing on their own. Anyway, that's something that we could talk about. Well, yeah. we give our students, I mean, ample time in class to work on stuff, but oh, this is why open classroom has been uh, typically a little unsuccessful is because when you have students using their laptops in open classroom, it's they're not doing homework. Yeah. They're on yeah. it's completely whatever done. else. Yeah. And that's why we don't do it anymore because exactly. to a certain point it was effective. Uh, but when they start, it's a cat and mouse game with yeah. the students, isn't it? Uh, we, we try to put 
filters and proxies and, and to, to block the certain sites and things, social media and stuff like that, but they figure ways Oh, out. they use VPNs. Yeah. They yeah. find a way to get around it. Even yeah, and they have, <laughs> now they have, uh, uh, what, what is it, unlimited data plans. The hotspots. Yeah. <laughs> so they can just completely get around the Wi-Fi network yeah. as a whole. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about reducing screen time. We talked about creating an atmosphere. I, 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 one, of the, one thing I want to add is something that I've done in my family is for my wife and I to read, to, read ourselves. And kids just see that, that we're reading when they're very much young. We don't, you know, I, don't, I have grown up kids now, so we don't do that. But we were reading TV off reading. Even if we have the TV on, silent. They're, they're, they're studying and, and I'm accessible to them. I'm monitoring them. Um, th so this kind of atmosphere, conducive environment is necessary. And that means our parents may need to shut that TV off and shut their own cell phones off. And beyond that, I think there's also a level of parents not even being home when their yeah. students are home. And that's, I think, something that like, as much as, of course, I understand the adult, like, the adult responsibilities. I mean, I'm a teacher. I have a full-time job. But when there's a student involved that especially we see having trouble with that time management and there's no one there yeah. that is able or yeah. can help them, especially with that time management stuff, that's where things like grades start to fall through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so conducive environment and maybe modeling reading and... and, and um uh, how about reading sooner and more yeah. rather than later, right? Yeah. Um, there's research that says that by the time a child reaches third grade, how much that kid has read will predict their SAT score. Yeah. Can you believe that? That's a lot. It makes but sense. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So if they're avid readers, they're going to do well. Mm -hmm. And that's third grade is what? Nine? Age nine? Yeah. Eight, nine. So until that time, parents, especially the parents of young children, you have an opportunity to predict their future and shape their future if you create a conducive environment. Reduce the screen time. I sometimes see parents picking up children. As soon as they get in, they go, Mom, iPad, or Mom, your phone, and they're looking at it. We're talking kindergartners and first graders. Yeah. Have a conversation in the car. Yeah. <laughs> or like, where's... Go to a library. A lot of libraries have reading programs where you yeah. get rewards for reading. Right. They're, they're, they're I remember inventory. My so. son wanted to take out maximum number of books, which was 30, mm -hmm. and he would do that every few days. And I'm like, if I wanted him to play golf with me, but he said, I'm, Dad, I'm going to read. And, and I was sad, didn't buy that. But um, sure, I don't have 30 books to offer him every single day. So he would go to the local library and get as many books as possible, especially for my son related to bugs, you know, like insects. And he was fascinated by, uh, by that side of the, uh, uh, of the material and the topic. And, but he read, he read, he read. Well, I think there has to be this balance, right, with with the students is like, how do I, it can't just be a, okay, you need to manage your time now. It's how do we balance homework? And I'm also a coach, so how do I be an athlete? How do I keep reading? How do I work on expanding my literacy outside of homework? Well, that's a good point because student life is not about just being a nerd and no. just getting, you know, good marks at school. There's about, there's a joy of participating in sports, maybe pursuing extracurriculars, service component that we promote at our school. There's so many other things about so-called student life. Yeah. And, and we're, 
Um, somehow, maybe because we're a college prep school, some kids may be using that, oh, I got to focus on studies, but behind the screen, they may really not be doing the studies. Yeah, well, and that's another way that parents can support is by encouraging their kids not just to solely study. Because then you see things, especially in students, like muscular issues, not having enough strength yeah. as far as athletics and just exercise goes, yeah. De decreased mood, and because there's no none of those endorphins that are being released from exercise. Healthy bodies, healthy minds. Yeah. Being able to develop those social skills yeah. that may be a little bit difficult to develop at a small school most of the time. Yeah. If I may add one more thing before we conclude this episode is, is that if there was an advantage that I had over other parents when it comes to our children, my own two kids reading, is that I was able to converse with them about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I did teach English in the past and I, I am aware of what they're reading, I could ask some sharp questions or critical thinking questions or just hear them out so that they're not winging it and lying about it. So parents, if you um, uh, have the ability and have the brain you know, with bandwidth to, to maybe even read the children's book and, and just get a good picture as to what they're reading and talk about that. Or ask them to teach you about it. Or even, yeah, yeah simply good just idea. what happened in the chapter. Yeah. What did you, what did you read tonight? Just that question alone, having them. Yeah, or, or have what, to what was the lesson that, that what's, what's the lesson that you yeah. got out of this chapter? What's something you saw in there beyond plot that is interesting to you? What's or, an observation? You or got? was there a memorable, as I do it in the reading log, was there oh. a memorable <laughs> quote? Well, and that's an opportunity to even like grow um, relationally in, in the family. Um, I know during my econ class, I had some students who would get in the car and the first thing they want to talk about with their dad is like economic ideas. And so then they started learning, oh, this is my dad's view. This is how my dad handles finances in our home. And they would have never had those conversations. Mm -hmm, yeah. But then it's this ability to like, um, to grow as a family and to learn from each other and to bond over yeah. Material. Well, because yeah. realistically, reading and writing do go hand in hand. Um, advanced vocabulary comes not from me distributing vocab lists, but from expanding vo vocabulary through novels, through reading. Would, would it be fair to say that, and this is how I feel, um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, your writing skill is basically a mimicking of other great writers but you do it with your own words and style. You could start to add it, but you, you basically see read something that is fantastic and maybe you kind of internalize it and you start to copy that, and not in a plagiarism sense, but you, you, you want to write like that. You want to express yourself like that. And that goes back to the concept when you look at media, what you're watching is what, what goes into your brain is what is reflected around you. Mm. That's why there's so many worries about violent video games with younger children. Um, yeah. or what you're watching as far as TV or movies go. It's the same thing with books, just in, it can be in a positive way. Yeah. What you're reading is what you'll see. So you'll see a vast difference between if a student's reading graphic novels yeah. versus yeah. if they're reading yeah, yeah, yeah. an actual novel, even if yeah. it's a fun novel. Like you'll yeah. still, if it's not Hawthorne, that's fine. 
Like, just read something with substance because yeah. that will start and, being And maybe reflected. appropriate to, to their age yeah. level, reading skill level, yeah. you know, gender. Yeah. It's better for somebody to read something, even if it's below grade level, because mm -hmm. that's where they're at, than to not read at all. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I I'm like, so, some, of my, some of my freshmen, I'm like, read middle school level books. Totally. Yeah. You don't need to be reading five, six years above your grade level. Go read something that you would have read in middle school. That, that's, there's I nothing still, wrong with that. I still do that. Just find the joy. <laughs> just find the joy of reading, yeah. right? And and then go through the process of writing. So as we conclude this episode, uh, we want to make sure that our parents and our students and those who are watching and listening understand that writing is a process. It takes a lot of time, but. In order to become a good writer, you have to be a reader first, and you have to reflect, and you have to follow the process of writing, uh, outlining, uh, brainstorming, drafting, peer reviews, and edits, and all of that, and, and, and citations for research papers, too. And clearly, our students in this generation are not reading as much as they should or, or the previous generations have. So we have to create a conducive environment. And parents, we have to work together, family and school together, to create an environment and a structure where distractions are put, up, put aside as much as we can and technology is harnessed so that we could use it as a tool to, 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 uh, to access information and produce the final product. But ultimately, it's about what's between the ears, right? It's ultimately what's here uh, that we have to use our brain to... to uh, acquire information, process information, and take our position and then to articulate it and, 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 and via our writing or through, in, in the IB's case, a lot of presentations. So I, I want to thank the two ladies who are here. Uh, they're doing the bulk of the work when it comes to our NCA high school students learning how to write, learning how to think, learning how to reflect on uh, in this processes and so that they could become much better communicators and problem solvers in the future. But we really need the partnership of our parents and we also need our students to buy into this program. Uh, they can't just constantly buck at it and argue and complain. They have to understand that we're their coaches, we're on their side, we're cheerleading for them, but they have to go through the hard discipline of learning how to read, setting things aside, distractions aside, and uh, learning how to write well. I know I sound like a broken record player because we talk about this all the time. So thank, I want to thank uh, Ms. Johnston and Ms. Bafana for, for joining me for this episode uh, on, on writing. And I'm sure I'll have you guys for the future for other kinds of talks, maybe your personal stories as well as you know, our own experiences in life in terms of education and why we're here and what our mission is. I think those are very important for everyone to learn about. But thank you very much for being with us and, and, and thank you ladies for being part of this uh, episode. And we hope that all of our parents and students and listeners and, and, and viewers would learn from this process and understand that this is really for the good of our students. Yeah. And this is the tough medication they have to medicine that they have to take but we're here to support their journey so thank you very much for listening and watching we'll and stay tuned and join us for the next one i don't know which topic it's going to be <laughs> but there will be a next episode <laughs>